Black Optimism Vaccine. I'm Steve, and joining me, one of the wildest guys I know, it's Adam Myros. Hello, Steve. How, did you get sick this week too, or was it just me? No, yeah, I did too, for sure. Yeah, that's real bad. I wonder, I wonder why. It's, yeah. it's almost like we, uh, we spent like 72 hours straight basically killing ourselves. I don't, I don't understand how that, uh, how that yeah, occurred that yeah. we got sick. I mean, I, I don't really do such things these days either. And, and astonishingly, I never get sick. But as soon yeah. as I, uh, as soon as I joined your uh, carnal lifestyle, it's immediate. <laughs> fuck, my body's like, nah, that's enough. Fuck you. Uh, you know, uh, Jack Eason also here. Jack, you, uh, you missed out on a, a weekend of, uh, exciting debauchery. Are you, are you disappointed? Are you sad? Are you like, what, how are you feeling right now, man? Well, I mean, it's, it's rough to miss out on some of it, but I feel like thanks to this goddamn podcast, I'm going to pick up on at least one of the things you got up to because this entire slate just came out from you wandering around <laughs> Tubi, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, we'll, get, we'll get into that a little bit. I, I do want to say uh, shout out to Adam Myros, who, you know, he, he was dead set because he, he doesn't drink hard like he used to. So this weekend no. he was he was really committed to just just drinking beer. And he was drinking a lot of like light like lagers and stuff and really taking it easy. Uh, but the problem with Adam Myros is he's a, he's a very agreeable man, especially once he's he started drinking. And uh, it's amazing how you could just put shots of anything in front of him and he'll just he'll just knock him back. Uh, yeah, I'll so complain, I, I want you to know I will, I will knock it back. <laughs> Jack, I made him drink uh, Malort, barrel aged Malort and Aquavit back to back to back. And he did not really raise a stink at all about it. It's <laughs> an interesting lineup. I, I've not tried the barrel aged Malort. Does that give it a wonderful mellow? aftertaste it, it, it really does it really it expands the flavor profile immensely <laughs> but yeah it was it was great because he yeah he uh he drank all that shit and then he after that like a few hours later he was just yelling at me for making him drink all that shit so yeah, it's yeah. uh yeah not not a man who can really uh be responsible for his own actions i guess you know he's got to blame other people is that, is that were you watching these sober or or were you well deep at that point these uh, are actually like s mostly sober hangovery kind yeah, of things yeah this is I'd like day over. Mm -hmm. <laughs> i don't know i could have done that well here's how we got here because this was not initially what the episode was going to be we had a nice little lineup and then last weekend i i called a, an audible and i said no we're we're, we're doing this and how this occurred was we we were at we were eating food hungover and the movie snake eyes came up and then we're like was there a sequel to snake eyes the the de palma film not not the fucking gi joe thing and the answer is no but in our heads i think myros and i or at least me we confusing it with eight millimeter which there was a sequel to there was an eight millimeter two that was made in 2005 um so then we got back and it's on Tubi. So we put it on on Tubi and it is a generic, shitty, erotic thriller that has nothing to do with the original movie, eight millimeter and does not actually feature any eight millimeter footage whatsoever no, or no. snuff or anything. It's just like, I don't know, like revenge porn on politicians. It's it's whatever. I it's couldn't describe shit. the plot of that movie. It just 
it's a big nothing. It's a big nothing. Fuck eight millimeter two. And as but. you could immediately turn that on and go, this movie was not filmed under under the title eight millimeter two. No chance in fucking no. hell. No, but if if somebody told me it was like an unrelated like wild thing spinoff, I, I would have believed it, which is appropriate because after eight millimeter two finished up Tubi, in its infinite wisdom said, hey, here's a suggestion. You want to watch uh, Wild Things 2 next? And went straight to which two. I said, yeah, to which I said, I, there's a sequel to Wild Things. And then I looked and I was like, oh, no. There's also a third Wild Things and a fourth Wild Things. And wouldn't you know, they're all streaming on Tubi. So it just it was it was serendipitous. And then, uh, you know, we watched them all. So, uh, of course, it made sense. Now, it's extremely odd that these movies exist. And it, even odder when you consider the first three were all written by the same guy. The original screenwriter uh, also did the second and the third. Uh, but we should probably start with the original Wild Things because I, 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 I don't know. I, I was obviously pretty young when this movie came out. But how fucking blessed were we in this three year period between like 95 and 98 to get like the pinnacle of populist erotic thriller sleaze content in the form of showgirls and wild things like it, it doesn't it doesn't get any better than this this, this does just, not seem fair to showgirls to throw it in with this movie no, I'm 100% throwing it in with this movie. And they both also occupy a similar space where I, when I was a kid, when these movies came out, they seemed like, like in my head, they were basically hardcore pornography. I was like, this is, this is like the most like sexy sex shit that has ever been released ever. Oh my God, there's, there's girls kissing and boobs and, and you can see this in a movie theater. Holy shit. Um, watching them both now, it's it's so funny, like that. <laughs> I don't know that you would you would conceive of a movie like Wild Things or like Showgirls in just those terms, because there's there's a whole nother level of shit going on here. Uh, but Wild Things in particular, I fucking love like the, the level of cornball pulpiness that's going on here, but it's played completely straight. It's it's incredible. Uh, so for those of you who haven't seen the movie and think that it's just about uh, Nev Campbell and Denise Richards at like the tender age of 23, just like making out in a pool. That's not just what it's about uh, for the other half of the audience who think it's just about Kevin Bacon's penis. That's not just what it's about, uh, but it, it's this great bait and switch where it sets it up as, Oh, a, a teacher has been wrongfully accused of rape or has he? And then that basically resolves itself 40 minutes into the movie and then from there, you have this vast conspiracy where every character you've met, regardless of what your preconceived notion of where their uh, allegiances lie, they're all entangled with each other in this plot to steal a bunch of money from this rich family. And they're all just fucking each other and killing each other. And it fucking rules. Uh, now, aside from Denise Richards and Nev Campbell being great in their roles, uh, I, I think really you got to give it to the dudes in this one for, for holding it together because I mean, 
Kevin Bacon is, you know, a grizzly, just like straight man. And he, and he just fucking works as a cop. Matt Dillon, though, is perfect because he plays this like high school guidance counselor who, again, it's just like, oh, did he sleep with Denise Richards? And he's presented as this, you know, pretty, pretty squeaky clean guy. He likes to bang chicks, but not underage chicks. And but Matt Dillon has a very natural, effortless sleaze to him. And it just it works so well here. Like originally, I guess they were going to try and cast Charlie Sheen, but he just would not stop doing cocaine at this point in his life. And I don't think it works as well because Dylan, he's got he's got like the clean cut all American boy looks. But again, just just naturally sleazy. And the biggest curveball and something that I totally had erased from my mind that even, you know, it was part of this movie. Fucking Bill Murray as like an ambulance chasing attorney is absolutely beautiful. So, uh, yeah, as far as just pulpy nineties, erotic thrillers go, it's hard to beat wild things. Uh, 10 out of 10, uh, Myros, I'm sure you're, you're a little bit more sour on it than Jack and I. So go ahead and tell me why I'm wrong. I mean, it's fine. Uh, (laughs) classic. I got to get that for the soundboard. You saying something's fine. It's no showgirls. I'll tell you that. I don't think this movie has like much of anything to say. It's just it's just kind of dumb, dumb fun. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I I don't no. know. I don't have a much much to say about this movie other than yeah, I'll second to it's it's one of the few roles where I can stomach Matt Dillon. <laughs> <laughs> it's it really is. It's like the perfect role for him. Yeah. Um, Do you have you Jack, beef with Matt Dillon? I've yeah. I've what's never your heard yeah, what's anyone, your Matt Dillon beef? Oh yeah, I've heard him have this before. Such a lovable screen presence. I don't know, man. Uh, name name a bad Matt Dillon movie. <laughs> a crash. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, you can't really blame that on Matt Dillon. To be fair, yeah, I don't think he's, he's the just, problem there. Some uh, he's a pretty tremendous. Pro- having watched that recently, he is a, he's pretty tremendous problem in that movie. Not uh, again. No one, no one could have acted that movie into being good. That's well, particularly yeah, you his role. His role is just like the fillet of the what the fuck were they thinking with this movie? <laughs> but he's like yeah. the cop, right? Yeah. Doesn't yeah. he? What does he do? Does he like do a hate crime or I forget? Uh, yeah. Does he, 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 does he uh, fix racism? Well, a little of both, yeah. He yeah, is, yeah doesn't he okay. rescue someone from a car later on to be a hero, yeah. but it's like compromised. He, uh, he molests the titular uh, crash. Newton in a traffic stop, and then later in the movie, he also saves her from a fiery wreck. Oh, wow, yeah. Sometimes the man who gropes you can grope you out of danger, you know? That's the yeah. lesson that we learn from it is. Paul Hayes' crash. That's all a push and pull, really. Yeah, like if you if you're groped and you're in a burning vehicle, like is it a grope or is it the the jaws of life just kind of converging on your body and pulling you to safety? That's that's the question that Matt Dillon's raising, Myros. That's fair. So why don't you put a little fucking respect on it? Yeah, name? it's entirely possible for Matt Dillon coming off the likes of this that he got the script from Crash and presumed it was a comedy, but uh, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's <laughs> I mean, his performance—he looks exactly like uh, Jim Carrey in uh, Me, Myself, and Irene in that movie. He's got like. <laughs> This super serious butt chin thing going, it, it's it's quite remarkable. It, it is best viewed as a comedy. If you, if you approach it in that light, it is a, quite a fantastic film, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's a barrel Maybe that's of for life. another episode. <laughs> the crash reclaimed. Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know if I could stomach that. We, no, we could do Crash I, I, I V Crash. You, I would. I'd have said the same when I, when I was uh, tasked with watching it again, and it's a delight. It's it's just so fucking garbage that it it, it transcends. Which I I can't say about Wild Things. This is this is uh this is it's fine. It's it's a sleazy '90s movie. Uh, I'm. I, it's just hard for me to muster much, of, especially having really no no history with the film. I, I don't know that I'd ever seen it, and uh, mm-hmm. I have now watched three sequels before I saw it <laughs> that are very <laughs> much so sort of uh, directly stealing its format. Like th- this is not a series of films that were like reclaimed scripts at any point. No, they are all big fans of wild things. <laughs> and well, I mean, the biggest fan of wild things is probably the guy who wrote wild things, who also wrote wild things two and wild things three diamonds in the rough. Well, he had some cohorts uh, on those sequels, but, uh, I don't know how much work he actually <laughs> did or if he just got a paycheck for, for what, but all I know is that there's this slavish formula that these movies use. And, uh, I suppose uh, I probably would have enjoyed it more if I just watched the first one before I was so fucking familiar with the formula that it, it kind of became mm-hmm. hard to like get any sort of glee from the well, like, what, transgressive the, nature of it or the surprises. That's that's kind of the the thing of it is like going into this is like what is a wild things movie? And the first movie was really marketing. You know, it was like two mm-hmm. young starlets, Denise Richards, who then was pretty much an unknown quantity. She had like Starship Troopers came out a little bit before it, but like she was on the on the rise. But, you know, like her current her name is buried further down the credits than you think. I think she's behind like Theresa Russell, who, you know, Nick Rogue fans assemble. We all we all know her. I mean, but, you know, it's it's kind of like of this era. She's not the kind of person you would expect. You know, you think Denise Richards was one of the big draws. Nev Campbell, obviously, it was was coming up at this point with Scream and Party of Five. And then you got Matt Dillon and Kevin Bacon and everything. And it's kind of like, you you think about, you know, the marketing. It's like basically these young starlets and sexiness and, and you know, ooh, wow, you get to see them naked, whatever, you know, all that stuff get you into the theater. And then, like Steve says, it's this great swampy neo-noir that does have a twist in it. It has a twist and then it has several more twists and it's got all that stuff. And it's it's, I really enjoy the first movie. And it's just interesting, the example that, you know, the three sequels take of, like, what is a Wild Things movie? And a Wild Things movie, like, they just took it incredibly literally, like, the happenstance of the first film becomes concrete necessity in three follow-ups, where it's like, we have to start with the school assembly, we have to have two actresses, one who's willing to do nudity and the other one who can't, right? Which is, Mm -hmm. which only happened in the first movie because Nev Campbell had a contractual obligation in Party of Five to not do nudity. It's not (laughs) like this was integral to the whole thing, but that just seems like how they ended up, it just always happened. I don't know. Um, You gotta have twists, and the twists become so much part of it that they're not really twists anymore so that is the only function of the the script um it's it's kind of wild to sit through them um as these products they're they're and the three sequels are kind of like they're not terrible f- well they're kind of terrible films they're very <laughs> slick they're very easy to watch but they are impossible to remember i like each one of these movies that i watched slotted into the memory hole created by the the previous one 
You know, you could, yeah. I could not recall when I started watching part four, I couldn't remember what the actresses in part two and three even looked like anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no. All, all these people like blend together. And then also if you watch eight millimeter two, in addition to all these, I started confusing those women with, uh, the, the, the women in the wild thing sequels. So it's, it's a little bit rough to keep track of it, of everything, but yeah, it, it is weird. Like, what they're committed to in these sequels because again to your point the whole thing with the original wild things is it sets it up as a pretty conventional uh narrative and then when you have that initial twist in the middle and then it just continues to basically you know twist and twist and twist itself into circles as you find out that all these characters are entangled with each other and all involved in a different way and that's the fun of it is everyone's a pile of shit. It's just figuring out where they fit into this puzzle. And it's, it's great to watch all the backstabbing that happens in the, in the latter half of the film. Um, once you get to the second movie, then yeah, it, it just seems fully deranged because you get all of these. It's, it's like you've taken the film and you've, you've chopped it into different puzzle pieces and you're just reconfiguring all the pieces, but all the pieces are the same. Uh, so yeah, you've got instead of Nev Campbell and, and Denise Richards, you got uh, two women you've never heard of. And then you replace uh, Kevin Bacon and Matt Dillon in the one movie with like an insurance claims adjuster instead of a police officer. Yeah. That guy who and, got fired from Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like he's the biggest he's star at all of these sequels. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, don't don't downplay the power of Ashley Parker Angel of of O Town. Which uh, yeah, is like or that uh, one, of, one of the Duke boys. <laughs> are, are we not going to get oh, Dina yeah. Meyer from Starship Troopers? Nearly almost. They couldn't get Denise Richards back, but they got someone else in Part Three. So yeah, well they got they got fucking Bo Duke from the Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, who uh, like recently got uh, what is, was he like questioned by the FBI for like calling for president biden's death or yeah something. i think they yeah, said he yeah, wanted to hang like hang joe biden or something so yeah good good stuff a plus yeah really really good stuff yeah um so yeah you lose all the star power but you they really are they're just they're swapping out everything and in a movie the original movie where all these twists and how the characters are intertwined. It was so like part of the fun and part of the pulpiness is it's so fucking convoluted, right? Yeah. Where you're thinking like, if you wanted to pull this off, you didn't actually need to do any of this. And it's just like, all these people think they're so fucking smart. So they, they create this elaborate thing and it just it's it's hilariously silly like you don't need to do any of this shit it's fucking great yeah I, um, what the sequels mainly lose is there's like this almost tennessee williams texture to the first film like the old rich mm -hmm. are in these sort of crumbling uh, mansions with all these servants and, and here rich is just like you know it's fucking spring break pool party bullshit oh <laughs> mm -hmm. It's just yeah, a CW yeah, exactly. set. Uh, it, yeah, it just loses any sort of rough edges. Yeah, you've got the character work, and um, yeah, it's it's it changes up considerably. Part four has like almost brings class back into it because the two girls are like friends from the youth and poor. But yeah, it. it it's really funny. Kind of like what what really dr drives me is realizing that like 
1998 to 2004, American cinema died in between those two years. Like, it, it, it completely went into the tank. Like, and um, it's kind of weird watching that between part one and part two, that they're just completely different films on kind of a visual level and on kind of like a layout just how they how they work and like you say there there's a character element to the first one which is really what the, the fun is is kind of like enjoying the actors reveling in this sleaze and then the three sequels are just sort of like they're they're driven by the twists rather than by anything else it's kind of and once you know they're there you know the, what is a twist if if the whole movie is a twist it it kind of negates yeah. it means the story has no chance to function in any kind of a normal way. You would have to start playing with the idea of a twist itself, which none of these films do. They they don't get metatextual or they never they never get ahead of it. They're just it just becomes the same formula over and over again. But yeah, it's yeah, slightly w- less well thought out. Like the first film, like the initial plot is is like, oh yeah, yeah sure, I could see this. Like it makes sense. You know, they are oh, this false accusation. There's not a lot of loose ends. It's just kind of a he said, she said, it gets dropped for lack of evidence. There's a lawsuit. It's like, yeah, this could all this could all happen. Uh, th- th- these other ones, I don't know. There's a lot of fucking conspiracy and falsifying evidence and all sorts of fucking Oh, it's great. Bullshit. I mean, by part, by part two, it's pretty much like the, the chairman of the board of a major corporation, like signing off all ownership in like a day based on a mm-hmm. DNA test that took two days from someone who'd never been present. Like, yeah, it's it's just complete nonsense. Um, yeah. 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 Well, and you know. uh, I think, yeah, by the fourth movie, I, they're, like, bilking a NASCAR driver who is also somehow, like, a cruel industrialist or something. I'm like, I don't fucking know what's even happening. Yeah, it's just, like, fucking, like, what is it, John Galt, but he's also Dale Earnhardt Jr. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> It's fucking uh, he weird. Somehow ruined this swamp woman's uh, father's life, even though he's a fucking NASCAR driver. Like, what? Yeah. What does any of this have to do with it's, it? It's, I don't know. Because he's a he isn't he a he's a hotel owner. I who, guess. I guess. Yeah, and he and he he does he does. That. I mean, to be fair, on the flip side, he's he's um he's felled by a girl who learned to speedboat race from her multi generational fisherman father somehow learned mm-hmm. how to got her in speedboats from an early age apparently because you know all boats are the same you fish in one you race one same idea basically I, I, yeah. you would think like i don't know i yeah it's just like a a loose connection like well, what we want to do is have him die in a car wreck uh so that we can use this footage we bought <laughs> Of days from of days thunder of thunder or something yeah. uh, from days of thunder <laughs> so oh, oh, can we find a better way for the the guy who's an nascar driver who's obviously going to be rich if he's a successful nascar driver to like screw over someone you know maybe her father's the fucking mechanic what what's yeah. how does it how do we get back to fishermen like what's the point of all of this convoluted no, it's it's all spiraling and yeah. it, it's weird because I think we've all seen movies where there's a, a sequel or a knockoff or it's like, oh, this is like the the wish dot com version or God, like fucking asylum movies. Great example. Uh, you go back to, you know, 80s Italian knockoffs of any fucking big budget action horror film you can think of. Like there's a long history of this stuff, but I can't think of an actual franchise like this. No, this is like so in strange sequels. It's so strange because. It's the story is 
essentially identical like structurally it's the same ideas it's the same like things happening but just with weird little flourishes that don't materially change anything but it's like you're watching like a vhs copy of a copy of a copy and like every time you do it it just degrades the quality further but you're still essentially watching the same thing it's a very weird experience and then because this isn't like eight millimeter two which is a random erotic thriller that we you threw the eight millimeter name on this is like it's a name sequel and it takes place in the world of of the first movie like they all take place in blue bay florida and it's wild because they're they're like direct sequels but they don't they don't share any characters and they don't acknowledge the existence of of previous movies it's so much so that i can't remember if it's the third one or the fourth one but somebody some character i think it's one of the police officer characters just like Nothing like this has ever happened in Blue Bay before. And I'm just thinking like, what the fuck? It happens every fucking year, apparently. <laughs> the senior class this is- <laughs> of Blue Bay High was like a lose three people every year through murder and extortion charges. Yeah, exactly. Murder, extortion and, and hot lesbianism. That's the that's running rampant in Blue Bay, Florida. Nobody could stop it. It's it's fucking crazy. And and but but the so all of these things are, are they're happening in the same world, but they're not acknowledging each other. It's just it's very disconcerting. But at the same time, to your point, Jack, all of these are they're slick enough and they're easy enough to watch. They kind of wash over you and you're just like, what what the fuck is going on? And I really can't think of another franchise or film series that has ever done anything like this it is completely singular it's not not in a good way (laughs) it's a really odd choice because like i say the first film had the 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 lure of the starlets it's like sexy movie and it's got these two young actresses who are on the up and up and it's kind of like okay you can see an interest being generated there the next three are you you've never heard of anyone in these movies. You don't know who they are. Um, you know, they're all models pulled from various different things. You know, maybe you have some TV credits or whatever. Like they're mostly they're they're not famous. They're not famous then, they are not famous now, although many of them, you know, continue to work on that like TV movie kind of tier. But it's it's kinda like there's no the, the draw of this is purely just like, these these are movies made honestly for the streaming era they make perfect sense the low rent of just like oh women in bikinis okay fair enough you know except they predate the streaming era <laughs> well, they do it's true but this it's just the the low the low rentedness of these movies like Tubi is Tubi is where this shit absolutely thrives oh like yeah, playing yeah. playing after a movie you intended to watch that's how you see wild things too that's you know mm-hmm. just like you forgot to pick up the remote and next thing you know it's on you're like okay fair enough but yeah it's, yep. it's just this low rent kind of like you feel like the 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 investment of this is probably the best case scenario they can hope for for this is that one of the actresses might become famous later on and that might make wild things two or three somewhat of a cultural artifact after the fact you know but uh and you know fair enough to gamble on that as a producer because it looks like all these movies cost like a grand each you know they had to rent mm-hmm. a house that was about it um so yeah, the house probably belonged to one of the producers anyway, so it's fine. Quite, quite possibly, yeah. I mean, I swear it's the same house across yeah. at least two I, of them, too. I do believe that's the case, unless yeah. they're very similar if they're not. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I definitely want to talk about these sequels more, but a brief aside here, because I want to talk to you guys about what could have been. All right. So in 2013, John McNaughton, who's the director of the original Wild Things, uh, he did an interview with Hollywood.com. And in that interview, he was promoting, I don't know, whatever fucking movie he was making in 2013. God only knows. Uh, but he, he got asked a question about Wild Things. And he said that another Wild Things film was in the works. And he wanted it to be a direct sequel to the original Wild Things. So actually tied to those characters, unlike 2, 3, and 4. Uh, now, the best part here is he was working on it with screenwriter Steven Peters, who wrote the original films and Wild Things 2 Wild Th and Wild Things 3 Diamonds in the Rough. Uh, but let me tell you what he said the, the story was going to be about. Uh, he said that <laughs> they're going to make a new sequel that tells the story of the original movie's character's children, and they want to call it Wild Child Things. Uh, and in this movie, uh, McNaughton says, quote, uh, something that's like the child of Susie Toller, who's Nev Campbell's uh, character. Uh, so in the movie, she claims that Matt Dillon's character had raped her a long time ago. So in McNaughton's never made sequel that he was working on, uh, she actually got pregnant from from that and and there was a child and then Bill Murray's character also had a child and they're foreign exchange students because Nev Campbell like fucked off to some tropical island and Bill Murray's kid and Nev Campbell's kid team up to do sexy lesbian stuff and extortion. That's that's the plan. Wild child things. I don't know if it, it needs a family connection. Do, no, do I we, don't think do that's we need the, yeah. I think that's kind of the lesson we'll learn from the sequels. Is maybe these things it, it could be set somewhere else. You know, we could take this Literally sort anywhere of uh, else. Yeah, this sort of idea and transplant it anywhere uh, with any characters. I don't think we need to be so slavishly connected to the original that no, that no one and could possibly remember at this point. I think, too, that and, and this is the beauty of all this, like the fact that McNaughton wants to do this. And I mean, uh, nothing happened. Apparently, he was he was shopping around this script and, and nothing, nothing ever. Came well, of it I can tell you why, Stevie. 2013. It, it would seem that he was promoting something called The Harvest starring uh, Michael Shannon. And that is, in fact, the very last movie he's ever directed. So, yeah. yeah so not not a lot happening. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, it's but the best part of all this is if you're going to look at a movie and say, oh, this needs a sequel. Wild Things is not that movie. It, it was never that movie. Like it, it is a perfect standalone thing. It, it exists beautifully on its own. It does not. And, and somehow here we are. There's four fucking Wild Things and McNaughton's cooking up a son of Wild Things movie or something. Uh you know, and, and the other thing that I keep going back to, too, and, and this would be an easy way to if you did want to, like, remake or redo or, or do some sort of sequel or something, uh, it would be a gender swap. And I keep going back to in the original script for Wild Things, um, Matt Dillon and Kevin Bacon actually are, are also like gay lovers in that, uh, which rules. Uh, but instead, we have that 
because they had to cut that out because you you couldn't be that gay in the 90s. Like it was cool if two girls kissed. Like clearly that was the entire like marketing push for wild things. But you you can't have guys doing sexy stuff. So the only thing they kept in the movie was when Matt Dillon and Kevin Bacon, when their characters meet up towards the end, you get this weird scene where Matt Dillon's just in the bathroom with Kevin Bacon while Kevin Bacon's taking a shower. And then Kevin Bacon gets out of the shower and his, his fucking dongs hanging out. And you're like, what? It's just, it's got this weird homosexual tension. And then you find out later, it's like, oh yeah, because originally they were supposed to fuck. So that makes a lot more sense. Um, and would have been a lot more fun. It would have been a lot more fun. And not only did Nev Campbell have a no nudity clause because of party of five and the wholesome image that she was cultivating there. But Kevin Bacon had a no nudity clause, which is weird because he's like way past prime Kevin Bacon at this point. What does he care if he's got to take his dick out? And then they put his dick in the movie. And I guess in the original cut, like he saw it and McNaughton was like, is it cool if we keep your dick? Cause this is the best take. And Bacon, Kevin Bacon was like, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. But it was this huge thing because and this is fair too. In mainstream movies, I guess that there wasn't really a lot of shaft going on in the '90s. So Kevin Bacon is a dick pioneer, and I think he should be remembered as such. So yeah, he uh, was, he yeah, was I, the producer. So uh, he ultimately he ultimately broke his own contract by, by yeah, he did. his own he dick did. in there. Which yeah, good for him. But yeah, I, I don't know. Do do wild things with more gay stuff, and I think he got a banger of a sequel there. But. Yeah, I mean, instead the, we get uh, diminishing returns. The, the thing about it is, is like th- there's fun. Like, I do think it's a fun conceit from the first movie that, you know, the end credits are interspersed with these additional scenes that kind of like um, kind of show the twists that we, we, you know, we know have happened. We know there were other agreements. So the, the results of that have transpired already, but that kind of fill in the blanks. And it's kind of a fun little thing. It's fun in the first movie, certainly, you know, kind of particularly because it gives an excuse for Bill Murray to return, having not been in the film for like he, his character <laughs> kind of doesn't isn't needed after the first half. But, you know, the audience want a little more Bill Murray. So he shows up in the end credits and, and usefully so. Um, you know, there, there's fun little things here. It's just strange, again, that like we say, the, the sequels are so mar- like so specifically insistent on these things make a wild things film not not a movie with twists in it you know not a thriller with twists but like a very specific story with the same twists um mm-hmm. it's it's just it's so strangely just kind of like believes it's got to have all the same things and yeah you could you could play with gender in this you could play with lay and i i know okay it's it's a pipe dream thinking anyone's going to make the gay movie of this for the regular market. Like, by rights, David Cocteau should have fucking 20 of these made with no icky yes. girls in them whatsoever. That would, that's mm-hmm. basically, he's probably already made this movie a dozen times already yeah. in some shape oh, or form. Oh, yeah. Oddly, it's probably called like 1313 Gator Pool Party or yeah, something. Oddly, uh, as Steve can attest, I was immediately thinking of uh, Dick Cocteau as well. I'm like, all we need is some mutant leeches. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's completely on that register. But yeah. yeah, there's so much space you could do this. And it's in three sequels. They like literally the grand innovation of part four is what if there was a third woman in the threesome making it a foursome? And yeah. also it's mm-hmm. worth noting the set like this. The, it's funny because the, 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 the threesomes in these films become, I think, shorter and happen more quickly in the film with each like current like 
with each one to like the part that like by the time we get to the foursome in part four I swear it happens like 25 minutes in and it's basically a boy kissing three girls in a row that's yeah. like oh, it's the a, whole thing it is awful by the end and and this is great too because um it is funny that they somehow had to manage like stunt titties in all of these sequels like they're just like we only got one set of boobs we got to figure out how to use them here um but yeah, yeah it's crazy like, they just keep hiring it's like yeah it's a sexy thriller it's all basically in about like hot naked ladies and it's like okay so we're interviewing the actresses like are you okay with nudity nope all right well you're still on board for some reason <laughs> yeah it, it, the, Call th- the stunt titties. <laughs> this, this this is all bringing me to this fourth movie where this of uh, this third girl they introduce is a uh, has like two lines in the entire movie is <laughs> right. not in this movie at all and also, no. for some reason, is still the the recipient of the grand twist, where she's like the final girl, yeah. even I though she's it. not in the movie again. So I don't know, like, what the fuck they were thinking with any of that. But uh, yeah, it's like the the two worst people. Like, uh, it's like who would we never suspect? Like that that's who they chose. Like the girl with no lines, and then the fat bozo lawyer. Yeah, yeah. Like, I love <laughs> watching the movie that's full of twists, and it's like, where did that character go? And it's like, oh, she she just helped us out for a bit because she's going on vacation to Europe, I think, a study abroad thing. So she's not here anymore. And you're like, okay, so I think in the movie with all the twists and nothing is what it seems that probably she'll be back <laughs> i wasn't even Very, sure about it. i yeah. just assumed she just wasn't an actress at all <laughs> just someone they fucking pulled <laughs> mm-hmm. in who would pull her tits out uh yeah but i don't uh, that movie also to jack's point about this end credit business which my god by by the fourth movie it's just like so <laughs> by, exhausting. The, by the fourth movie it's just telling you things you know <laughs> well i i disagree on that front because in the fourth movie i think they were relying so much on this end credit thing that it's like I, I couldn't even figure out what the fuck could possibly be happening with this twist. Like, why any of the things were transpiring until the end credits. The end credits were, were the cipher to the movie. Like, it was entirely yeah. necessary to watch them to have any idea what the fuck was happening during the rest of the film. Yeah. And, and, and to kind of contextualize all of this, uh, dear listeners, because I have a feeling well, I don't know. It's it's our audience, but I I'm still I still have a feeling that most people have not watched the Wild Things sequels. But you know how you're, if you're watching a Saw movie and then you get to the end of the Saw movie and they play that song the da 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 and and then they just show like oh here's here's what they missed here's how Jigsaw did a did his little trickery to get you and it, it's like that, but it's like it's literally like 30 fucking things. Yeah. And, and most of them, it would be like, if, if they did that in a saw movie, it would be like 30 traps that you didn't even see in the movie that somehow tie into all of this. Yes. It's fucking nuts. But in the first it's three like movies, oh, at least fast forward montage in, of, of another movie. Yeah. In the first three <laughs> movies, I will give it credit for at least it's interstitial. Like it's just additional context. Like it's a little flavor, mm-hmm. you know, like, Oh, flavor, look yeah. where these characters met that you would don't need to know. But here it is. It's it's a little fun peek behind the curtain. Uh, whereas in the fourth movie, it's just like, well, we didn't bother to <laughs> fucking show any of the plot during the movie. So here it is, intercut yeah. with the fucking end credits. So you're not just like yeah. baffled by what the fuck you said through. Well, yeah, in the, first, in the first one, like the big reveal ultimately is that Nev Campbell's character was actually the originator of the plot. Yes. And that's like, and you know, mm. and that's kind of a, an interesting With dimension. With 200 that's, IQ. 
Yeah, yeah, that's introduced to the end. She she's always been very smart, and I think it's actually a really fun thing because I quite like her performance in the first movie too. Because mm-hmm. I think she's really bad in the first half of the movie, but then she was acting. She becomes more confident and less stuttery. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's one of those really fun kind of conceits. But yeah, by by part four, it's pretty much just like it turns out it was these people because that's another twist that you didn't see coming, and it's like it adds nothing. <laughs> It, which, you know, ultimately is a problem with these films. It, nothing matters. The scripts don't matter. The dialogue doesn't matter. The dialogue is, is I dare you to try and quote one of these films. Um, I, I almost could. There's one, there's one part where a guy's just talking to a cop or something and he just talks about a woman's like, yeah, she could strip a motor in, in five minutes. And she looks good covered in oil. And it was just like, who who is he talking to? Why is this happening? Just like making <laughs> random conversation with a stranger and you bring that up. It's it's just, they're clunky and they're very silly films. And it's just kind of like you, you do wonder, like they're all entertaining enough in the context of like whatever, like there's always something happening. They're, you know, almost like television. You know, there's just this constant mm-hmm. like bap, bap, bap of like things happening. But like, Totally unmemorable, no texture whatsoever, character or plot, certainly not location. I, these are probably most completely boring views of, like, packaged up Florida that you've ever imagined. Like, the first one goes more into the swamps and the sweltering heat and all of these things. They've, they've got it, but, you know, by part two, it's just fucking HGTV homes, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Just like, um, yeah, it, it's just like, maybe maybe try and make a different movie. I don't, I don't understand why they couldn't have set it somewhere yeah. else just come up with some slightly different dynamics you you know while things is just it's a sexy thriller with with some twists and turns that's that's set up it isn't uh you know like a parent teacher conference it isn't a sex talk it isn't you know a sea view these things aren't necessary to it these are the things that they absolutely lock onto is like we must have these elements it's uh, not it's even it's not even a sea view. It's it's always the same se- like it's a different season of a TV show. Like you right. know, here we are, Blue Bay again, the same fucking high school again. That says time for our annual sex talk again. Time for another conspiracy. It's like what in the, yeah. what in the hell is? It's not <laughs> Dallas we're watching here. It's something I don't know. I do like though. Like one of the things that I thought was fun, and by fun I mean really fucking stupid and kind of baffling. Uh, normally, you know, you got, you got these sequels and you're constantly raising the stakes, right? It's like this time things are even more twisty and sexy. And in this, it feels like it's, it's, they're constantly coming up with convoluted plots, but like for diminishing returns, you know, like in, in wild things, three diamonds in the rough, it's just like, oh, there's two diamonds that they're grappling over and but they're they're worth like two million dollars a piece <laughs> it's just like what happened to all the money in the first movie and then slightly less in the second and slightly less in this one and then by the time you get to the the foursome uh you know i think they're splitting like it's like five mil but between the four of them and it's that's not gonna work you know it's yeah, just, no. you can't <laughs> yeah, just I mean, like disappear into an island with with a million bucks no, you, you no. Know, yeah it's, it, be- yeah, it becomes it becomes funny because like even in the second movie, the, the girl is like outraged because she's given twenty five thousand dollars a year for life. 
in her yeah. father's payout. And she's like, that's he's worth so much more. I've got this whole plan. That's like the loser's prize. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. honestly, but then, yeah, when we get to part four, I mean, 25 grand for nothing forever. It's not bad. Seems all right. Yeah, just walking doesn't around seem bad money. at all. What are you going to do? Like, why complain? Get a get a low level job, not have to worry about yeah. things. You know. Oh, and 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 the sex scenes too. And I know we mentioned this earlier, but it, they kind of do the same thing because you get your obligatory threesome. And the first one, you're like, you know, sexy, tasteful, sleazy, but you know, interesting. And then the second one, you're like, eh. and the third one is just like, ooh. And then by the time you get to the fourth one, there's this shot. God, it's like. Ashley Parker Angel of O-Town who plays our (laughs) fucking heroic male lead and he's standing like facing the camera and then because of uh, what I can only assume is various no titty clauses uh, the the three women are just kind of like lined up in front of him (laughs) it's Uh, a very assembly line element yeah and then he just like is like kissing them like he's like uh, like they're the Von Trapp children going to bed or something (laughs) It's so fucking lame. It is and, the least erotic foursome. And what I, I love mean, about all it's of in the title. You got to fucking deliver on a foursome, <laughs> right? Think. I mean, they're, they're numerically they they do it. Uh, yeah. I, I, other thing I like about him, I, I guess it's is it borrowed from the first film that they just happen to do in the first film? There's a hard cut at the end, like cut to black. Or you fade to, like a cut to black at the end of the the sex scene because they do that in all of them. See, I don't even notice with, because Tubi is such a devious streaming service that I, I swear <laughs> to God they throw a commercial break in they, the big maybe, sex scene every time. It's that, amazing. Be, yeah, it's, it's the smart lame. Move. They're like, oh, you think you're gonna enter the boner zone? No way. Here's a fucking duck covered in oil, it's, and it's, then we got to clean it's it with dog soap. This is yeah, a big time. It's, really it's, it's really funny because it's like. Um, for the first movie, that cut to black feels like, okay, you know, if that the scene has played out and, you know, we can't go any further. It's 1998. We just invented girls kissing. We got here mm-hmm. a year earlier than Cruel Intentions. We'll always have that, <laughs> you know? And then by the time we get to parts two and three and they do that, it just feels like it's, it's like, Jesus, come on. Like, it's not censorship. You never shot this. It's just like you ran out of tape. Like, it's just it's mm-hmm. kind of like, we're done. That's over. Enough of that. Let's get on with the movie. And it's like, but you decided this is the movie. Like, the movie isn't about anything else. So why has this become this weird perfunctory thing? Like, where they're just trying to like, oh, I guess we've got to do a threesome. It's like, you don't. Mm-hmm. You don't actually have to do one of those. You don't have to do it. Yeah. And it loses a lot of the playfulness of the of the first movie, too. Like, um, there's that second uh, girl-on-girl scene where they're in the pool and they're like fighting and then they start making out and Kevin Bacon is like hiding in the bushes and he's he's got his camcorder and he's and he's like taping them and then it cuts to Kevin Bacon showing that footage in the police station and it like zooms out from the TV monitor and it's great it's like a clever way because they, they like bring you in and you're like oh man two hot girls in a pool kissing and then they just like boom they snap you out of it and it, it, it's playful it's fun but wild things two wild things three wild things four there's there's none of that they just to your point, they just fade to black or cut directly to black because uh, why not? That's what we did in the other ones. It works so well. But <laughs> but in the context of the story and, 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 and the film, it's like, well, it, it doesn't it doesn't work that way. You can't just do it because you did it. Like, it's, yeah, I it's think fucking the, crazy the playful elements like the first film has a lot of like because it's an actually authored, well apportioned screenplay that professionals worked on you know and it's got all these like little bits and pieces that make it fun and interesting by the time you get to like part three or whatever like the playful elements are like 
there's a scene where they wire a girl in a pair, like in a tank top and, and a pair of cutoff shorts. They wire her for sound to go undercover. <laughs> and I'm just like, she should maybe wear something else if that's that's her goal. <laughs> you know, it's, this is a tricky way to, to, to keep that going. You know, it's, it's all these yeah. other things that become fun within it. Just the sheer outlandishness, which doesn't play as like something the film was invested in. It's just sort of like things are just happening all the time. And yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's kind of like, like I say, these movies are very easy to watch. They kind of, I think the longest one of them is like 94 minutes. And I think two of them come in under 90 minutes, maybe or maybe still around there like they're very easy to watch they just they, they kind of they leave no impression they're not even bad enough to be memorable you know they, they're not even mm-hmm. like that kind of way they're just sort of this carefully constructed kind of set of plot revelations uh, that you knew were coming you know because that's after you see wild things too you're like well i think i think i've got this franchise pegged um mm-hmm. and and that's all it is and it's it's just it's kind of unfortunate because you think they could go bigger they could go crazy they could start messing with it like this is absolutely like a, a queer re like reclamation of this could be really entertaining um, there's all kinds of things you could do, but I'm, I'm guessing at this point, once you get to Wild Things 4 having been made, this is dead as a franchise. Because yeah. if you were to like reboot it, you'd have to acknowledge, you know, something else that happened. It would just be tricky, you know. It's like Universal Soldier 2 territory, you know. Mm-hmm. They, they mm-hmm. did it because of the DTV world, you can get away with it, you know, when John Hames came in and like made Universal Soldier good again. But, you know, we, we all had to reckon with Universal Soldier 2 with Bill Goldberg, Goldberg existing baby. for a bit. <laughs> so it's got that great Megadeth yeah. song, "Crush 'Em." Cry, yeah, yeah. There he is. As as working yeah. on the album is a theme from Universal Soldier <laughs> Two, just to really make people snap it off the shelves. Yeah. Oh, shout out Dave Mustaine, especially that era of Dave Mustaine. <laughs> yeah, right, this moto psycho, one thousand miles. <laughs> Yeah, hey, like, well, I is... wouldn't ever encourage someone to get back on heroin, but like maybe he <laughs> needed it. I don't. <laughs> well, didn't we turn on motorcycles like a Russ Meyer reference? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> I um, don't know. It's Dave Mustaine. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. Look, uh, he was he was uh, in another world. There's there's a Metallica that he played guitar throughout, and he's a much better guitarist than Kirk Hammett. So could have been even better, but you know, whatever. We'll never know. Yeah, I, I mean, we should do some kind of monster sometime, because even even though I grew up listening to Metallica far more than is healthy, I've never watched that movie. And everyone says it's fucking hilarious. And I've I've never got around to it. I want to see all of the 40 something year old millionaires cry. I did see it when it first came out, but I feel like I, I need to I need to reassess because that was like 2004 or something, right? Like when did, yeah, when did that come probably out? Probably around then. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was oh, somewhere, have somewhere around that. the time is uh, St. Anger. Another great album. If you're looking for recommendations out there, pick up St. Anger and. Uh, yeah. Learn how to record drums properly. It's, just, it's good. It's, they can't, oh, yeah. That's one big question. I th- I'm curious why has AI not done that yet they're all like oh let's complete a work of art let's fix the drums yeah, can AI fix yeah. the drums in metallica like is that I something don't know. we can do so, this this has to exist someone has got has had to have done an alternate mix because i mean god they just put out like an alternate mix of um what is it the replacements tim like they just fucking remixed it 
I, that didn't even need it. And someone went, around, went ahead and did it. Why can't somebody has had to have done a St. Anger remix? Although, because they're so litigious, it, it, it's probably been like nuked from the internet. I mean, there's we'll a lot of uh, there's a lot of YouTube videos about St. Anger with people playing that fucking tick, 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 tick song, whatever the fuck that's called. Uh, they're, they're no. playing trash can, little trash cans, you know, a lot of, a lot of people have had mm-hmm. fun with that. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. To, to be fair, the drums need to be fixed on more than just St. Anger. Like the first three albums, it sounds like the drums were like underneath wet cardboard for the whole thing. I don't know. Lars is the problem. Come on, let's leave him alone. <laughs> I mean, you could, but what if, what if we can make him even better? You're missing, you're missing the adventurousness of AI. Come on. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and this is why Megadeth clearly the better band because um, they're I don't know their their funniest moments I think remain endearing to me. Like watch the music video for Sweating Bullets and tell me it's not simultaneously hilarious and fucking awesome. Like, it's, it's it's pretty it's great. Just great. This is a great time <laughs> when, when bands just had to make music videos. Like you have to make one, so you're like, shit. What do we do? And yeah. yeah, you have to run. But well, you know, I th- I think also you got like in terms of production, and it annoys me because uh, I really like Megadeth's first album. Uh, it's it's great, um, but they blew. They're like what I, one of the things I love about it is it's like a really gnarly, fucked up sounding record because they got like twenty grand to record it, and they spent that on heroin. So yeah. whatever was recorded costs significantly less than 20 grand and you can really hear it. Uh, but if you go on Spotify, <laughs> the version is like the remastered. It's like, no, don't do that. I don't want that. You could hear no. shit. You could like there's tracks and you can like separation. It's like, I don't want. No, give me the muddy mm-hmm. trash I grew up with. I would also like the muddy trash. Yes. Sure. 100%. Sure. Uh, uh, no muddy well, trash I, I, in these movies, well, despite a lot of uh, swamp. I feel like now, no, now we are uh, due to you know, this Metallica pod is going to happen because there's also that horrible uh, sounding like narrative concert film they put out too, Through the Never. Oh, what the yes. fuck? I don't think oh. I even heard of that one. That's yeah. Nice. We're doing we're doing fucking pod Metallica. Put it on the fucking yeah, calendar. Through that's, the Never was a theatrical film that's got like a plot about some roadie traveling through their concerts. It, it's a uh, how did I miss this? Yeah. When did this happen? It was. Let's see, 2013. 2013. Oh, okay. Wow. You know what? what ex- it explains because I've because I have thought the Metallica have been broken up since like whenever Death Magnetic came out. I thought that was their last album, and they'd broken up until they kept releasing more albums. And every time I would see one, it's like I could have sworn they weren't still doing this, but. Yeah, so maybe I just stopped paying attention during that period. Oddly directed yeah. by uh, Nimrod Antal, who is... Uh, what? Yeah, yeah. Best known probably for, for directing Predators. I don't know. Very strange. Mm-hmm. Very strange. That's a weird one. Oh my this God, there's a fucking cat with his ass right in my face. Bananas, move. Oh no, it's that one Jesus. too. You don't want that one yeah. anywhere near you. No, he'll, he'll fuck you up. Yeah, Myros was uh, was drunk and uh, Bananas was not having any of his shit. Myros was like, I'm going to try and win him over. And uh, Bananas fucking wrecked his ass. Yeah, so. yeah no, you all can't I do that. Was... You can't win over a cat, Adam. You just got to let him hey, feel the way I, he feels. I expected it. All I did was I gave him, I reached out the hand. I, I didn't touch him, didn't do anything. I just gave him the, the hand to see what he would do with it. And he didn't do what I expected. I'll say that. No, but he did exactly what I told you he would do. Well, I, I was anticipating a, a hiss, a bat, uh, something. No, it was a full-on, like, fucking bear mauling. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty great. 
<laughs> I mean, not probably for you, but for me, yeah. it definitely. I hope was. you had your beer armor on. Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Anesthetized up front makes it easier. Yeah, absolutely. We're, yeah. we're good to go. <laughs> well, we should probably wrap things up. So, uh, what are you putting over this week, Myros? I mean, I've I've had uh, quite the week, so I haven't exactly had a lot of time to be doing things. So, I, I guess by default, I've got to put over uh, this fucking other movie you made us watch. That's obviously better than any of these things. Uh, even mm-hmm. though I still complained about it the entire time, which is, uh, the Lifetime film Stalked by My Doctor. Uh, Hell yeah. Is it good? I thought you were about you to were, put over you, 8mm 2 as being better than yeah, any of these. No, Myros, really? No, 8mm 2 is, is actually worse you. than any of these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 8mm 2 likely. is 10,000 times yeah. worse, yeah. Uh, Myros was, because here's a man who is perpetually wrong in every facet of his life. Yeah, sure. Uh, he was complaining during Stalked by My Doctor, which is a fucking Stone Cold classic, okay? Uh, and his complaint was he didn't find Eric Roberts uh, believable as a, uh, a great heart surgeon slash, like, teen child molester. Uh, so, <laughs> I don't know. I it it felt like the, the role was, was written for a significantly younger man, I would say. <laughs> uh, yeah, you were, you were too busy insulting the appearance of uh, handsome boy Eric yeah, Roberts. You're like, hey, he looks like oh, the you, you, mean, you mean like in the, in the Wild Things movies where there's always, uh, in each one of the sequels, there is like a doctor or a vet or a lawyer who is like weirdly young while all the high schoolers are strangely elderly, so it is evens mm-hmm. out in the middle once they all end up having sex yeah yeah but yeah. eric roberts is playing like a sort of an incel type role uh but he's he just looks to be 90 years old uh with his ridiculous flopping hair and uh I, it probably makes for a better movie that this uh, is made it doesn't like make for a, a logical realization of uh, probably what the writer intended with this room <laughs> but but instead uh eric roberts looks completely ridiculous and is giving a totally invested and unhinged uh performance where no one ever told him no or made him do a second take it was just like whatever the fuck you want to mm-hmm. do eric roberts as it should be and the, i mean the to fair, is, he probably yeah. had another movie to get to every yeah. afternoon exactly you know? eric roberts is fun because i mean yeah he he does like 37 lifetime movies a year uh and and i haven't seen them all but i assume they're all amazing uh but i also feel like he could randomly pop into a, a prestige film and give a powerhouse performance and just randomly win like a best supporting oscar like out of nowhere Probably. that's the power he's of got it in him i mean he, he could do it yeah mm-hmm. he definitely could. which i like that as a flex because i know he knows it and i know it but will he ever do it probably not but he could at any point could just fucking just do requires it. one uh, one good hip director to write the role for him to well, get that like no used them for a while there right that's true. Yeah, Nolan, yeah. Nolan did, but he was he was too far off the main. Yeah, you yeah. know, supporting supporting actor. No, he needs he needs something beefier, more central. Myros, as our resident optimism vaccine scriptwriter, uh, do you do you foresee like a, a screenplay in the future that you would write for Eric Roberts? I mean, I I I could I could do that. Sure, I'm just thinking to myself, I'd be a lot more likely to bother seeing Oppenheimer if it starred Eric Roberts. Yeah, I agree. 
I mean, he could have played any role. I mean, he could have been fucking Florence Pugh in that movie. Yeah. No, they could have done Oppenheimer's like stalked by the military or something and just like mixed mm-hmm. it up and, you know, kind of rejigged <laughs> it. By the military. Military. Yeah, I mean, they, they were, you know, who I can by the H bomb. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. This is stalked by the shadow of the atomic age, whatever. No, I mean, sounds, you could do all kinds of things. It sounds, I mean, I don't want to see that Faye Irishman when I could instead be watching Oppenheimer portrayed by uh, the, uh, Eric Roberts, you know. Just get mm-hmm. him out of there. I mean, maybe maybe he could play Oppenheimer. Maybe yeah. he could play anyone else. Oppenheimer's wife, the president. We're trying to get him uh, the lead actor Oscar here, Jack. So he's got to play Oppenheimer. He, I mean, he could have. I think he could have done the Robert Downey Jr. role and and won an Oscar for best supporting for that. You know, speaking of so. which, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, he's 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 you know in contention this year. And Robert Downey Jr. I think it was that he was Robert Downey Jr. was the person who was going to play Matt Dillon's role in Wild Things originally, but he yeah, could, yeah. they couldn't get insurance because he was still in that yeah. phase. I think he was. Coked out of his brain. So they wanted Indeed. Robert Downey yeah. and Charlie Sheen. Jesus Christ, they were courting the danger <laughs> yeah. of the set. Courting danger. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Jack, what are you putting over this week? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to put over... Uh, sh- let me see. I've been playing a lot of uh, Yakuza Kiwami or whatever the fuck it's called. The first Yakuza game, but like remade for newer consoles. I don't really know. I don't care. It's on my PlayStation 5 and it's great fun. I run around and and do odd jobs. And yesterday I uh, had an amazing mission where I had to find a ideal Christmas present for a nine-year-old girl who had a boyfriend in her class and she wanted to find a nice present for him. And through the magic of the Yakuza game engine, I was able to give her a pornographic magazine as the perfect Christmas gift for her boyfriend. Um, Hell yeah. Which is amazing because in the story of the the video game, my character has just been released from prison. Um, He's just out after a 10 year stretch. And within a day of that, he is handing pornography to a young child in a park in the dark. And that, Mm -hmm. I think, is just a wonderful, wonderful kind of setup and opportunities. We talk about video games allowing us to realize all kinds of potentialities and explore so many, you know, kind of elements of humanity and society and the Yakuza games are just uh, complete nonsense through and through and I mm-hmm. love them. So yeah. It's good. Play, I know, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, you know, you, you get to play Yakuza and, and kind of role play as, as the man you want to be, you know, not, not, not just I mean, regular until, Jack, until but... I play these games, I thought the Yakuza were like criminals and kind of mean, but I, I realized playing the game that really Yakuza are concerned about social order and teaching people good lessons and then sometimes doing weird shit like just giving porno out. They do a little mm-hmm. bit of that, but it's also, you know, it's really important. You got to go and hang out with uh, children at the video game arcade and tell them about how it's important to try hard and get better at video games to make friends. Um, yeah. there's just there's so much going on in there. And then every so often you just go to go outside and grab a guy by his head and just smash into a wall and there's blood everywhere. So you've presumably killed this man, but it's fine while everyone cheers around you because the the bloodlust of the Japanese nation explored in Oppenheimer, I'm sure, or not explored as as depending on which side of the controversy you're on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I gotta say I, the, the Yakuza games are I, the other thing that I don't get about the Yakuza games is it feels like they put a new one out every six months. Like, I, I, I don't even know where to start. Like, if I was to become a Yakuza guy and that was the thing that I played, I wouldn't even know where to begin because there's so many of these things. And then there's all the spinoffs. And, That's this, uh, that, that was me. So I just started with Zero, which apparently wasn't the first one. It's prequel. But you know what? It was yeah. fun. So whatever, good enough. And now I'm playing yeah. the first one. 
I think that's the, that's generally advised, which is what I did too. But I also bounced off it because uh, the combat is not fun. <laughs> but, the combat's awful. Oh, yeah. I love the game so much. I play them for hours, and there's so much combat in them, and the combat is the worst thing <laughs> in them. It's terrible. <laughs> I'm sure but I will get back matter. to it you someday. Can... I, I purchased yeah. uh, the, uh, the bulk of the, uh, I think like zero through six or something, because it was quite cheap. You can get these at a, yep. a steal. And uh, they're cool, but yeah, the combat sucks. Turn, <laughs> turn the combat down. Yeah, turn turn difficulty down to easy, and you can just blow through most of the combat. And it's only annoying if you like do all the side quests. You'll end up in a few fights that are kind of difficult because the video game doesn't know where anyone is standing in relation to anyone else, which makes combat hmm. incredibly annoying. But that's yeah. kind of a mainstay of the entire thing. Well, maybe it gets better by like six or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Hard to imagine the combat being good, but maybe they cracked the code somehow. Well, I know in a lot of the newer ones, they've completely abandoned combat and turned it into a uh, like a turn-based system. <laughs> yeah, could well. it could The main thing about it, though, is just running around and helping people with their problems, which are all insane. <laughs> well, this week I'm uh, I'm putting over a movie that I, I watched initially when it came out. And completely forgot that it existed. I, I just remember, like, it's one of those things where many PG-13 horror films are like this, where you, you see it, and then it just kind of, like, just washes from your mind immediately. Um, and, and that movie is Wish Upon. And I revisited it because uh, Red Letter Media just did, like, a whole fucking episode on it. I was like, good God, they just dedicated, like, an hour of their time to to wish upon so i was like you know what before i watch their video i think i'm gonna give this a rewatch and i um i can see why it was purged from my brain but i gotta say if you want to watch a horror film like a, a contemporary horror film where they have made every single wrong decision that you could possibly make uh, here it is baby it's it is unbelievably fucking stupid and and really the entire plot is monkey's paw but dumb as fuck and but the the way that it plays out uh and the writing and <laughs> the various decisions that are made absolutely baffling and perhaps the most baffling thing of all is Jerry O'Connell is in this movie, mm -hmm. which doesn't seem that weird because I think he was he was like in the Piranha remake and like he did some some kind of slumming it uh, horror stuff for a while. Like he was he was just taking jobs. It's fine. It's fine. I like Jerry O'Connell enough. And he's in this movie. He's in it for all of 30 seconds. And it's in a single flashback where he has zero lines of dialogue. And that's it. That's your use of Jerry O'Connell. And as far as I can tell, he's like, he's not even in the end credits. Cause of course there's an after credit scene for, for this movie. So it, it's like, he just flew in and did somebody a favor for this dumb fucking movie. It is the most bizarre shit. However, um, it, it is only 90 minutes, which is lovely. Uh, it is bafflingly stupid. So it's rarely boring. Uh, the thing is though, even if you're not having a good time, even if you're grumpy Myros six beers in complaining about Eric Roberts, what is undeniable is 2017's Wish Upon 
one of the greatest endings I have ever witnessed in a horror film. Uh, just the absolute definition of I have written myself into a stupid corner and this is the only way out. And then the way it's filmed is just, oh, absolutely beautiful. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't want to spoil it too much because I'm sure you're all just chomping at the bit to watch this thing, which it's also on Tubi in case you're wondering. Uh, but never in my life has have I gotten so much joy out of watching a teenage girl get hit by a car. It's yeah, it's that, that's a stuff. scene. I mean, the movie, it's no truth or dare. I'll, I'll stand by that. No, my dying. Day. It's no truth or dare. It's no bye bye, man. No. Like if, if we're going to pick like a movie from around that era to be like, here's the definitive stupid thing. I think bye bye man's better because wish upon as dumb as it is, as bad as the dialogue is, it, it really is just like a basic monkey's paw story. And it's, it's fucking fine. Although <laughs> the one twist of like, it, it, it's this Chinese wishing box and it's like advanced Chinese that you have to go to like a super Chinese person in order to interpret it. That that's a nice wrinkle, but it doesn't have that bye bye man ism where there's no rhyme or reason to anything, you know, like the bye bye man. He's he's this guy in this cloak and he's got his his dogs and his coins and his train that goes by. And what does any of that have to do with anything? Nothing. And that's the beauty of the bye bye man. And uh, I, I don't think Wish Upon has that. But, it doesn't, you know. but it's it's uh, still yeah. You you want you yeah. want some dumb shit in your life, it's, yeah. Sure, exactly. It's uh you could you could double feature it with Boogeyman two thousand five, and I think you'd have a great time. Or the worst time ever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I probably <laughs> would have. Jack's a like, time. I don't know if that's a time I'm interested in. <laughs> Based on as discussing that, that I can't even look at that movie. I, I, yeah, it would. Maybe I'm not going to do that. How how could you not look at that movie? It's so well lit. You. <laughs> You it's can true. see everything. It's, everything is visible. That's for everything sure. Everything is very visible. Yeah. Uh, well, anyways, we should probably wrap things up. So, uh, yeah, if you enjoyed this podcast, check out the description. And in that description, you will find a link and that link will take you to our Patreon. And when you go to our Patreon, you can do this wonderful thing where you give us money. Why would you want to give us money? Well, it helps to fund the podcast. This thing does not pay for itself. And uh, don't worry. There's benefits for you if you donate any amount of money and you live in the continental United States, I will send you a movie from my personal collection. And uh, I'm, I'm doing a very rational, normal thing, which is I have run out of shelf space. And so I am building larger shelves this weekend as you do. Uh, but I mean, there could be some library purging during this process. It, you could get, who knows something amazing. You have no idea what's coming to you. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, there's never been a better time to give us money. Now, on top of that, you also get access to our special patron only feed, which has tons of exclusive written and podcast content, as well as uh, regular ish <laughs> patron exclusive episodes that come out. New stuff. Super cool. Cost of content. Uh, now, Steve, if you want, but uh, we are we're bringing back we're bringing back cost so of content monthly as a Patreon episodes. exclusive. You can say regular, regular monthly episodes. Although keeping it regular. To be fair, we might be starting in February instead of January due to uh, extreme extenuating circumstances on my end. But uh, we, we yeah. it will be coming soon. Yeah. So once once Myros recovers from his rib removal surgery. Yes. Uh, then, then we'll be, we'll be back in the saddle, but yeah, cost of content. So if you've ever asked yourself, 
what is the absolute worst thing streaming on the internet? Um, we are here to answer that question. So uh, it, we had to, we literally had to abandon it because of like the, the psychic violence it was enacting on us. Like I, I couldn't do it anymore, but it's been a couple of years. We're back in the saddle. It's a patron exclusive, wonderful time to become an optimism vaccine patron. Now, if you donate at that five and above level, then you also get your name read out on the air, which is very exciting. And in addition to that, you get to vote in patron polls for future episodes. Myros, who are our five and above patrons right now? Uh, we have David, Evan, Ryan, Dustin, and Paula. God bless each and every one of them. Now, if you really want to be a superstar, you can donate at the $25 level. Now, do you have to donate the $25 level every month? No. I mean, we would love that. If you want to do that, that'd be great. That really would help us. But uh, even if you just want to do it one time and then drop down to a lower level, with that $25, you get to choose an episode. You get to structure an entire episode, anything you fucking want, and we will watch it. Anything. Okay? I have had multiple people, multiple people, they've come to me and they said, Steve, when are you guys, when are you guys going to cover Children of the Corn? And I say, I don't want to fucking cover Children of the Corn. I, there's like 300 of those and they're all dog shit. Okay. But if you donate $25 and you want that fucking corn cast, guess what? We're going to do it. We're going to do I it. I mean, Pony up that uh, cash. what are you promising, Steve? We, we, we should say we will cover <laughs> A reasonable amount of the uh, the Children of the Corn series. <laughs> reasonable you, amount of you course. might have no, to donate thing, more than we, one month to get us through that whole fucking franchise. <laughs> Just, that's it. I feel I feel like, but I mean, we we always end up as completionists. So I, I think what would happen is it would probably get the corn ball rolling and uh, or the cob rolling, and we would end up finishing it because I I can't. I mean, what are you only going to watch the first three? I it's a weird franchise because the reason that I've I've ignored the pleas for us to, to do children of the corn. Mo I think these people are just trying to fuck with us, but I really think it's a horror franchise. Like, can you think of a longer running horror franchise with more entries with less quality? Like I, I don't need the original. I think is dog shit. Yes. The second one has that like wheelchair grandma flying through the window. But other than that, nothing good. I, I just, I don't think there's a single high point in the entire franchise. You know and I, I can't. <laughs> I was trying. I was racking my brain. I, I almost settled on the howling as like the closest analog to to what Wild Things is doing. But Children of the Corn might be a strong contender for like uh, a theatrical movie that immediately reverted to uh, DTV and uh, for at least a substantial portion of these sequels just remade the same movie like over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think the Children of the Corn ever go to space? I, no, I don't far, think far I, I, they no. went to the city at some point, but I think that's about as far yeah, as they, they did. I think it's four or five or six. So, somewhere in the middle, they do go to the yeah. city, which is another important milestone. As you know, like Jason took Manhattan and whatnot. So sure, Jason uh, yeah, was not the, so agriculturally dependent. This is tricky. Yeah, that's true. And corn fish out of water story. Just, I mean, unless Matt Damon is up there farming on Mars again, what are, what are mm -hmm. we going to do? Yeah. Yeah, I maybe you could. I mean, if if you put the children of the corn in in the Martian, I, I, I think you got something there, something to think about. Myros, maybe another screenplay. Wait, wait, wait. The Martian, starring Eric Roberts, but it's also a children of the corn movie. Uh, How do you feel about that? I, you know, pay me enough. I'll I'll get it written for you. There you go. All right. So with that, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals. 
optimismvaccine at gmail.com or you can do social media at us at optimismvaccine fucking wherever and we'll we'll talk to you we will mm-hmm. so uh with that we will be back next week with i don't fucking know what but something 